Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report on this Wednesday, February 3rd, year 2021. Thank you for joining us today, kids. We got a hell of a show lined up for you today. I think you're really going to enjoy yourself. It's another jam-packed program. Mm. So we got to get right to it. I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Sitting here in the Batcave with me is the Rear Admiral himself. Holy God, holy God. It's the very angry, (laughs) not angry, feisty, feisty, aggressive, roid raged Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. Yo ho, Eddie! You say that, but I'm then better now I'm better now. Then you're uh, you're picking fights in arts and crafts I stores. I was not That's picking the fight. I was walking around the arts and crafts store getting arts and crafts for Colton school project. Oh, you're a good dad. Yes, and then some dickheads walking around the arts and crafts store asking people what time it is. But at the end of the question, he'd throw asshole at the end of it. What a clever gentleman! So he'd go and go. You know what time it is, asshole? Like say it really fast so people go what? So he could call him asshole again. But I, he came up to me and did that, and I was like, no fuck face, go fuck yourself, nice gold chain. <laughs> See? Aggro. <laughs> well, because I was watching him do it to other people, and it was pissing me off. So someone's got to stand, someone's got to be Captain America in the Michaels. That's me. I don't like bullies. <laughs> the Captain America of Michaels. That's me. That's, that's Eddie I'm Pence. I'm Captain Michaels. Um, so you, uh, you stood up to this I stood bully. up to that dude and his little short friend who was behind him cheering him on, laughing the whole time. See? See? Right. And then he, well, he put It's his... always that way. They always have a toady. They always right, have they an do. underling. They do. They have little it's guys. It's like, it's like, uh, <laughs> Scott Farkas with his yellow eyes. His orange teeth. So help me, he had yellow eyes. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And then he took this tail and so, ran so away. So what'd you say? I, I told him to go fuck himself. Right. And then what happened? I made fun of his gold chain. Was there some chest bumping? Was I might have. I might have flexed a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. I might have. I might have. And he might have unleashed the guns. I might have cocked a gun. You might have welcomed him to the gun show. <laughs> he turned it. He turned and walked away, so like all bullies. So do. he didn't say, uh, "Let's go. Let's no, throw he, down." He, someone stood up to him, and then he turned around and walked away. Wow, Eddie Pence, everybody. <laughs> Eddie Pence fighting the good fight. Fuck bullies. Yeah. Hate bullies. Yeah, especially the ones in the the mean ones at the arts and crafts store. Those are the worst ones. He's doing it to the employees, little ladies walking around, calling them assholes. Go fuck yourself. You're lucky you didn't pull out some paper mache or a pipe cleaner or something. (laughs) I would have strangled him with yarn right in aisle three. Good thing he didn't have any weapons on him. Fuck. I would have jabbed a frame through his face. Good thing he didn't douse you with mucilage. Or whatever else they have at the arts and crafts. Fuck that store. guy, man. You know, I always hate that uh, that dynamic of the big bully and then the little snickering guy it, behind him. It reminds me of that cartoon. Remember, it was the big the big dog? bulldog and yeah. the little. What are we gonna do today, Spike? Hey, Spike. What are we gonna do today? He's just jumping over and back and forth, bouncing all around. That's exactly. It was literally out, of, literally out of a cartoon. Yeah, I was waiting for him to smack his little friend. Shut up. 
Eddie Pants, man. Fucking Captain. You don't mess. No. With Captain America of the arts and crafts world. <laughs> I hate bullies. Fuck bullies, You could have whipped up a really quick shield. Oh. Come over and grab some. I could have uh, crafted something real some quick. Some foam core and some masking tape and <laughs> some, some day glow pastel paint. Some silver spray paint. Oh, just make- give me a minute. I'll be right back. I'm going to fix you in a second. Eddie starts going to work. <laughs> turns around. Guy's gone. Of course he is. Don't want to mess with me. Wow. Well, I'm glad there were no fisticuffs because violence never solved anything, Eddie Pence. Well, I don't want to touch that dude in COVID. I stayed six feet away from him, punking him out. Was he wearing a mask at least? He was he, wearing a mask. And he was asking people, he what was, time is it, asshole? He at least was a believer in the, in oh, the pandemic. Good. Could so. have been worse. He could have been, <laughs> he could have been aeros, aerosoling sputum everywhere. Yeah. All Be right. a shitty way to get COVID. Well, I'm just glad you're safe and you're sound. And you didn't have to tussle with a 22-year-old with a gold chain. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm going to turn Michaels into my own Gotham City. I'm going to start patrolling there every day. Who's the guy just lurking in the hallways? <laughs> he just goes up and down the aisles. He's got a cape on. What's going gotta on? Got to keep Michael safe. My Lord. What an <laughs> interesting existence. It really is. You lead. I have a strange day every you, once in a while. You, every day. Strange day. <laughs> Captain uh, Captain Prostate's out there uh, making oh. sure they... <laughs> the well, aisles are clear. One minute I'm on the floor coming to your dog. The next minute I'm kicking bullies out of Michael's. Yeah, kids, if you're a two, three, and four-star general and you haven't checked out yesterday's video of Eddie Pence uh, t- uh, submitting to Reggie b- being his bitch, you, you might want to check that out. It's very entertaining. A lot of folks were very pleased with that video. So I'm glad they had a laugh. We all we all did. You're a good sport, Eddie, Sp- Eddie Spence. But don't What's push me. Again? That's Eddie Pence. Eddie Pence. But don't push me. Don't push him. He, you know what? So he, he's all in for a joke. It's all fun and games, but... <laughs> Someone will get hurt. At once you start asking what time it is... With asshole at the end of asshole it. Asshole at the end of it. It's going to be hell to pay. Dicks. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're healthy. Thanks. All is well. Because as I mentioned, we have a hell of a show lined up for you today. Because on the counter, you want to know why? Well, first little programming note. No Steve Ashton today. Oh, why? Our UK correspondent is a little under the weather. Oh, no. Not COVID. Not COVID. No, it's a stomach bug. And uh, even when he texts me that we can't record jokes, the text is full of (laughs) jokes. <laughs> he said, uh, "I'll try. Hold on, let me get, grab my. Please pull here. it up. I want to know. Hold on, please hold. Please remain on the line. A representative will assist you shortly. And we're back. Here it is. Here's the text that I got from Steve Ashton. Hey, likely need to bail today. I've had stomach flu since Saturday and had no more than three hours continuous sleep. Plus, I've been having fever, shivers, and the requisite." <laughs> arse gravy (laughs) and vomit (laughs) honestly at this point i have no idea what is coming out because nothing has gone in really for days i've been (laughs) this poor butt so raw i've been making (laughs) (laughs) he makes me laugh even in his text i've been been making my own poutine (laughs) (laughs) Poo, P-O-O-H, teen. Uh, It's like a a truck stop standpipe or a Philly stew, he writes. So hopefully be back uh, for Friday's show. And I wrote back, uh, no worries, rest up. So uh, our UK correspondent, 
Poor he's Steve. taking a well-deserved day off, and uh, we hope he feels better soon. Well, he said but... his stomach was starting to bother him on Saturday at the cocktail yeah. party. So. He mentioned while we were uh, where we were live streaming, he said, "Yeah, I'm feeling a little off." He said, "I don't know what it is," and apparently, it was the onset of this Oof. stomach bug he's been battling. That's so. uh, I hate that. That sucks. Yeah, it, it, when you got it both ends, it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. no bueno. I had it the other, not the other day, but recently. <laughs> well, and he recovered well. Well, didn't even notice. I don't. Um, I don't, it's not strenuous, my life, I got to tell you that. It's basically sitting in this chair, and then I go sit in that chair over there, and then I have to come back to this chair. And you so got to do a flight of stairs every day. Every once in a while, I got to climb a stair or two, but it's not, there's not really much I can't do either sick or well. The routine doesn't change all that much. So no Steve, but still a hell of a show, I promise. Did I do this yet? Because on the counter, you want to know why? No, I think I did. Did you? But now I've done it again. Okay. Here's why. It is Wednesday. One Hit Wonder Wednesday. We're going to look at a smash hit song and the artists that are responsible for it. And uh, and then we'll tell you why they never quite really had another success Mm. of that same level. But this one is uh, huge. It's one of those, and we say this all the time, how did we not get to this one yet? Well, This is... One of the biggest one-hit wonders in history. You're going on three years now with this. So I know, it's be. crazy That's how nuts. we keep going, right? So we got that coming up for you later. Entertainment news, of course. Uh, your phone call's coming up next. And then at the end of the show, you're going to want to stick around because I've got a great interview with a film director named Kevin Derrick. And are you like me? Are you upset? Oh, you haven't watched Cobra Kai, have you? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because Col- Colton is into the psych kick. Remember the show Psych? On USA. Psych. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's sure. on Hulu. Yeah, right. And so he got into that, and so now we're watching, like, all eight seasons of that. Now. Oh, it's a good Every show, night. It's a great show. I love yeah. that show. Yeah, but, like, we'll watch, like, two psych. a night. Yeah. So I just don't have time to watch Cobra uh, Kai. So your your screen is uh, preoccupied. Yeah, so if yeah. he's into something, I have to be into it. I hear you. Uh, you got to get to Cobra Kai, though. I want I to. love it. It's so good. And, of course, with all the uh, mania surrounding Cobra Kai... And it's really nice what they do on that show is they're very aware of the huge impact that Pat Morita had on that franchise. Yeah. He was the heart and soul oh, yeah. of that film. I mean, of course, Daniel LaRusso, played by Ralph Macchio, was the karate kid. But if it's not for the humanity that Pat Morita brought to the yes. role of Mr. Miyagi, I think this movie does not live on forever uh, with such love and no. affection as it does now. So um, that show takes great pains to reference him and, in, and, and remind us of him, and they, they inject a lot of his essence yeah. into, that, into that program. And so naturally, it's been front and center in a lot of people's minds about the, uh, the life and work of Pat Morita, who, of course, was also famously Arnold on Happy Days yeah. as well, even before he got successful in films. So this director, uh, Kevin Derrick, has, has uh, created a documentary about the life of Pat Morita called More Than Miyagi, The Pat Morita Story. And that drops this Friday, uh, video on demand, also Blu-ray, DVD, all the usual uh, places you get this stuff. And I watched it this week, and yeah. I was so blown away, I reached out and asked him if he would come on the show and talk a little oh, bit nice. about it. So uh, he'll be on uh, the end of the show. We'll have a little conversation with, with Kevin. So as you can tell... A jam-packed show that I think when it's all over, you're going to go, I don't know how they're going to beat that one. I know it's just Wednesday, but right. uh, they may have peaked a little well, bit maybe. early. All so downhill now. You'll enjoy it. Doc guarantee. <laughs> so let's get right to it. Let's jump in with your phone calls. We love it when you reach out to us. There's a ton of ways you can do it. Emails, ralph at the ralphreport.com. Steve 
Send Steve an email, steve at theralphreport.com. Tell him you're thinking of him and you wish him uh, a speedy recovery. I think he'd appreciate that. <laughs> Eddie at theralphreport.com. Uh, social media, of course, you can find us. And then uh, if you're in a Michael's uh, craft store, you can walk up to Eddie and ask him what time it is, asshole. Be, a, don't do that. Be nice in Michael's. You can check in with him there. Or as many folks choose to do, you can leave a voicemail message on the Ralph Report hotline 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is available to you. Just can, You can leave your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, your comments, anything that's on your mind. Then I sit back and listen to them all here in the Batcave. And I pull a handful and we put them here in this segment, Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ralph's gonna play your calls now. Let's see what's on your mind. From time to time, I get a, uh, a call that has no real context to it. No one really tells me what they're referring to when they say these things. And uh, I've called this sort of uh, mini subject. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? And I got this one, and it's, it's not pertaining to anything in particular. However, I think it's sort of a catch-all. Oh, Eddie, you just hurt my brain. <laughs> that was it. That was the entire well, that call. That could apply to anything. I mean, and, really. and thank you, by the way, for the useful <laughs> audio clip. Oh, Eddie, you just hurt my brain. How many times am I going to be able to play that in a given program? Wow, I'm, I'm trying to think what she was referencing. That's my thing. That's my trouble with that call is, sweetie, honey, sugar pie, baby doll. Specifics. Could have been anything from any show over the past two years. Oh. <sighs> Oh, Eddie, you just hurt my brain. You know how I feel, lady. Um, you know, I like to partake in a little education here on the program. Yes, yes, yes. I love sharing information. I love teaching people about stuff. Me too. It's even better. <laughs> yeah, you too. <laughs> about the fucking Mayan spaceships. It's even better for me yeah. when I'm sitting here that the Garmy comes to my rescue and teaches me about stuff. Mm. That's what all these calls are about today. There's a theme, uh -huh. starting with Bjorn. You remember Bjorn, yeah, the boar killer? The boar killer. Also a uh, music teacher in oh, Cincinnati. Nice. Yesterday, we were talking about the ukulele, the ukulele mm. from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned ukulele in Hawaii means jumping flea. Right. I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do no idea. with a string instrument? Well, he heard our puzzlement, and he's here to, mm. to rescue us. Hey, Ralph. Hi, Eddie. What's up, Steve? It's Bjorn from Cincinnati. Uh, you know, Garmy music teacher. Uh, boar killer, um, <laughs> jumping flea, ukulele, ukulele, uh, in Hawaiian does mean jumping flea. And the reason they called the, the ukulele, the jumping flea is because the instrument was actually a Portuguese instrument known as the machete. And when the Portuguese workers came to Hawaii and they were playing the machete, the native Hawaiians thought their fingers, when they're, cause they were playing so fast, their fingers looked like fleas jumping on the, jumping on and off the fingerboard of the instrument. And that is where the term ukulele, or jumping flea, comes from. And they used to use the, the phrase, my dog, my dog has fleas, to remind you how to tune it. But that doesn't work, because it doesn't tell you the notes. So I like to use the phrase, goats can eat anything. And that is how a ukulele is tuned. Gee, 
A-C-E-A. All right, there's some uh, music for you guys today. Love you, mean it, bye. How's that for wow. information? Lots. That was jam-packed full of information. That was a where did it come from Yeah. for us. Right, and how to tune a ukulele. And how to tune a ukulele. ukulele. Which, of course, comes in handy because I am very proficient with the ukulele. Right. And so uh, I will be using that later. You're going to be a one-man band by the end of the day. Goats can eat anything. <laughs> I can do that. Yesterday, we were also talking about Subway. Uh-huh. And their mystery meat. Yes. And we were wondering, why is it that the uh, chicken is only coming up uh, 42% chicken? Right. And the tuna, apparently. There's no tuna. No tuna. Right. What's up with that? Donald is here to inform us about that situation. Good morning, Ralph, Eddie, and crew. This is Donald, two-star general from Apple Valley, California. Regarding your story about Subway, a guy that I work with used to own a company where they would make meat chopping machines like huge industrial machines and sell them to large uh like meat rendering plants and he warned me he's like do not ever eat what they call meat at subway it is meat scraps meat leftovers the stuff they kind of sweep off the floor with a lot of quote meat glue to hold it together and make it look like it's chicken or it's meat or whatever type of tuna so he's like, um, it's not actually what they say it is. So never, ever, ever eat there. So this leads a lot of credence to that story that their tuna is not tuna. Um, no kidding. Love you guys. Mean it. Bye. It's something held together by meat glue. <laughs> meat glue. Meat glue. Mm, almost, almost yacked on that one. Meat glue. <laughs> by the way, it's the name of my new band. I hope you all pick up our brand new single. <laughs> So you're not really eating fresh when you eat Subway, apparently. I guess not. Well, I guess maybe the meat glue's fresh, so maybe... It's fresh meat fresh glue. Fresh meat glue. Freshly glued together meat. I make meat glue almost daily, <laughs> by the way. That's meat goo. Oh, I'm sorry. Misunderstood. Which uh, gets us into the next topic of conversation. We were talking about that amazing Czech woman in uh, Slovakia who yes. foiled... That burglary, that robbery yes. at the gas station. To control the situation. <laughs> simply by filleting the suspect until police got there. Right. And I think you were the one who posed the question, well, what did what did she get out of it? I can't understand why she would do that. You could see why the police yeah. were happy and uh, the, the owners of the gas station right. were happy. Well, Don, our favorite phone sex operator, called in with uh, this thought. Hey, Ralph, it's Don. Your favorite phone sex operator. Hi, Eddie. This call is actually for Eddie. Oh. Um, I was listening to the story of the woman who held the the um, criminal by giving a blowjob. Yeah. And Eddie asked a very important question. He said, what did she, I hope she got something out of it or what did she get out of it? Uh, some women, just, just a reminder, some women enjoy giving blowjobs just to give a blowjob. Just wanted to remind you. Love you, mean it. Bye. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really? I st you could tell me that every day, and I would still forget that. Yeah, me too. Because I still can't wrap my head However, around. when Dawn tells it to you, <laughs> it tends to linger a little oh. bit longer than the average time when I, you hear that. I love hearing it. I just can't wrap my head around believing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to need a... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need a minute. We're having some technical difficulties. I'm having technical difficulties. Please stand by.
All right, we're back. I oh. got that taken care of. I just <laughs> a had a meat glue I, everywhere. I had a meat glue situation <laughs> there. All right. Oh, there's so much. All right, back to the show. Jesus Christ. Uh, speaking of that story, here's a nice thing. Uh-huh. We have a UK correspondent who obviously is uh, absent, shitting himself absent, wherever he is right now. today, yes. yes. Making Putin <laughs> uh, at home. But we've got correspondents all over the world. Oh. We have a correspondent. A, a Czech correspondent, Mikhail. Oh, yeah. Who is also a member of the Garmy. And I think we got the, the diluted, translated, misconstrued details about that story. He's right next door. Oh, is he? Apparently, it's a big story there, and he's got clarification for us. So here with an update is our uh, Czech correspondent, Mikhail. Hey, Ralph. <clears throat> Eddie. Uh, this is Mikhail from the Czech Republic. Uh, the compatriot of the blowjob harrowing of that gas station robbery story that took place in Bratislava, Slovakia. I'm calling with some updates. Uh, the woman's name is actually Sonia, and she has recently spoke out to the press about the incident. Uh, what happened was that she actually went to the gas station to get a pack of smokes. She got one and then she lit one outside when uh, the robber mistook her for the gas station employee. So uh, he actually grabbed her and dragged her in. He struck her several times. So this is not just the hops, you know, she actually got beaten. And uh, he wanted her to open the safe for him. So she played along, but realized she would got called out sooner or later. So as some sort of like a self-preservation move, she decided to use her feminine weapons, took off her top, and the dude just went with it and pulled out his chubby woodman. <laughs> and she, she, she told the press then that she kept prolonging the actual fellatio until the police arrived. And when they did, uh, she yelled at them, take him, I'm out of breath, or something like that. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm translating this from Czech. So yeah, so uh, the robber, did not come. And now that you have a name, Sonia, you can award her with the Citizen of the Week Award. LMBJ. LMBJ. Thank you, Mikhail. So that puts in a lot more context. Yes, it does. Yes. And, it, and it takes some of the, the jocularity out of it, yes. quite frankly. Almost seems like a life-saving sort of it like... It seems like she was a just an innocent bystander, yeah. got mistaken as an employee... And she must have felt genuinely threatened, right. realizing there's no way she can open this safe, but how does she tell that right. to an armed robber? Just as, as a like you said, a self-preservation yeah. technique. She just did what she had to do. Wow. That does put a whole different spin on it. So Sonia absolutely is our citizen of the week this week. Yes. I mean, quick to think. Yeah, really. plus she gave that dude blue balls. Yeah, exactly. So even he got a, what he deserved. He got no money. He's in a jail cell. And he's got blue balls. And he's got blue balls. I hope he's <laughs> sore forever. All right. You know, we like to kick this show off a little upbeat music. Make your day a little bit better. Vince had a suggestion today. Hey Ralph. Hi ho. Eddie Munchmaster Pants. Munchmaster. This is uh, Vince, like Sports Star General from the Pueblo of Acma, New Mexico. Uh, I have a happy suggestion. Um Every time I hear this song, it just makes me smile. I want to dance around. And uh, working in a warehouse all day, it really helps get me through the day. And it's uh, Twist from the Night Away by Sam Cooke. I love it. 
<clears throat> Love you guys. Hope to hear it. Love you, mean it. Bye. Yeah, Vince. Great choice. I can't help but think of Animal House, the movie. Yes. Every time I hear this song, it's a good one. listening to that that's a pick-me-up song physically impossible excellent choice vince thank you for calling in thanks to everybody who called in you too can be featured in the garmy on the line segment but the only way that is physically possible is if you actually call me Now we'd like to take a look at folks who passed away on this day, February 3rd. Pay a little tribute to their lives and their legacies. It's Hello, Death. Did you electrocute yourself or run into a shell? Hello, Death. Did you eat poison mold or just get old? Hello, Death. Did you fall from the sky? Ralph Garman will know why Even though you said goodbye Hello, death Hello, death Hello, death Hello, death February 3rd, the year 1014 mm-hmm. The Viking king of Denmark, Norway, and England oh, died Around the uh, age of 54, they can't exactly be sure because no one was uh, counting his candles, I guess, on his Viking cake. (laughs) His name, Eddie Pence? Mm Mm-hmm. Sven Forkbeard. Forkbeard. Right. Oh, he had a fork beard, too. You know he did. Sven Forkbeard. Oh, that's awesome. Probably braided in two forks, right? Probably. Two separate things. Yes. He was probably fat and awesome. Why was he fat? Because he probably feasted all the time. But he also probably fought and warred all I'm the sure time, I'm sure he slayed, too. but I'm sure he looked a lot like Fat Thor in Endgame. No. That's what I'm picturing. No, I'm picking just yoked right and muscled, carrying a shield. Maybe in his 20s, not in his 50s. Kicking uh, guys' asses or asking him what time time it is on the <laughs> Viking ship. Sven Forkbeard. Badass. Oh, my God. 
I want that to be my porn name. <laughs> Featuring Sven Pork Porkbeard. Pork beard. That would be a good name. <laughs> Sven Sven Forkbeard. <laughs> Hello, ladies. I am here to fix your problems. I am Sven Forkbeard. Uh, 1468, Johannes Gutenberg, the, the German inventor, died at the age of 70. You know his uh, major accomplishment, Eddie Pence? No. You don't, the name Gutenberg isn't familiar to you? Well, other than Steve. <laughs> yeah, he was the star of all the police accounts. <laughs> he was a great, films. great, great grandfather. Gutenberg. 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 The name doesn't ring a bell? No. Gutenberg? You lose. For what? The, he invented the movable uh, printing press. No. The Gutenberg Bible? You're not familiar with that? The, the oldest book ever uh, printed with a uh, printing press? No. Wow. No. Yeah. I, he invented the uh, the movable printing press. I don't know press. anything about that. Wow. So now I learned something. You the Gutenberg. Did, you did indeed. That's not just Police Academy. It's not, not at all. Uh, 1881. Yeah. John Gould. British ornithologist and bird artist died at the age of 76. John Gould was the, the English equivalent of... Audubon? Audubon, yeah, basically. Mm. Not to be confused, again, with the... Uh, Highway. Ger the German Speedway. <laughs> Bell Star died on this day in 1889. Bell Star was a legendary U.S. female outlaw of the Wild West. Ooh. She used to hang out with Jesse James and all those guys. Hot. Died at the age of 40. Yeah. Where's her movie, by right? the way? That'd be cool. I she know was... Calamity Jane. I've heard of her, but I've never heard of any other ones. Yeah, but Calamity Jane was sort of like just known for quick shooting and stuff yeah. like that. But Bill Starr was like a cattle rustler and a robber and everything. <sighs> she was that badass. Movie. She was murdered at the age of 40. Oh. You know why? Why? Because she turned a guy down for a dance at a saloon. And then, oh. He was drunk and he staggered out into the street and shot her in the back. Oh, pussy. Even even badass women had to be at the mercy of drunken guys Awful. and their harassment. Awful. She should have shot that dude. She should have shot bar. him first. Exactly, before he had a chance. Uh, 1919, Edward Charles Pickering died on this day, famous American astronomer and a pioneer of the uh, spectroscope. It was uh, Pickering, by the way, who discovered the first uh, spectroscopic binary stars, Eddie Pence. Oh, that guy. Yeah. I always, and you know, always wondered who did and that. And you know how they find uh, petroscopic, uh, excuse me, spectroscopic uh, binary stars. Yeah, with the orthometer. I'm sorry, what now? The orthometer miter. <laughs> <laughs> the orthometer miter. I'm sorry, I have to ask you one more time to speak up. Orthometer miter? Oh, Eddie, you just hurt my brain. Yeah. No, of course it is. Uh, they are determined from observations of radial velocity. Ah, uh, Yes. The uh, at least the the brighter member of a uh, such a binary can be seen to have continuously changing periodic velocity that alters the wavelengths of its spectral lines in a rhythmic way. That's how you establish it. Yeah, which all can be seen through an orthotomizer. <laughs> sure. Nineteen thirty-five. Hugo Junkers. Hugo Junkers. <laughs> That's your point name. That's a great name. German engineer. It's probably Junkers. I'm guessing because it's German. It's probably Hugo Junkers. Junkers. Humo Junkers. Uh, German aircraft engineer pioneered the use of all metal in uh, building airplanes. All metal airplanes were thanks to uh, Hugo Junkers. Oh, before they were wood, apparently. Right? Yes. Yeah. I guess. No, absolutely. Absolutely right. Uh, oh, and this day in 1959, boy, is this a major milestone still in music history. The Big Bopper, mm. Richie Valens, and Buddy Holly 
all died at a plane crash uh, on the way to a concert in 1959, known as the day the music died. Eddie yeah. Pence. Um, really, such a such a tragedy. And so uh, I'd like to pay tribute with this. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how the music used to make me smile. And I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. But February made me shiver with every paper I deliver. Bad news on the doorstep. I couldn't take one more step. I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride. But something touched me deep inside. The day, February 3rd, the music died. So bye bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys are drinking whiskey and rye, singing, This'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die. Yeah, right? Thank you. Oh, please. No, you're too much. So you're too good. kind. So good. You are all too kind. So good. Please sit. No, I won't do the whole song. Guy they, in the front row is really screaming for the whole song. They really want you to do the whole thing. We don't have that kind of time. All right. 1975, William D. Coolidge, American physicist and inventor, died on this day. He came up with a ductile tungsten. Ductile tungsten? Yes. The little filament inside the light bulb. Eddie oh, Pence. the little screwy thing, little spirally looking thing. It's the piece of wire that Looks, uh, yeah. holds the uh, charge right. and heats up and yeah. creates the light. Right, gotcha. Tungsten, tungsten lights. Gotcha. 1989, John Cassavetes, great actor and also a great film director, died at the age of 59. Nancy Culp, American actress, died on this day in 1991. Nancy Culp. Yes, she, she was in? from the Beverly Hillbilly. She played Miss Hathaway. Okay. Oh, Jethro. <laughs> she was that skinny, gotcha. skinny lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry Ackerman died also on this day in 1991. Legend of an American TV producer. He created an enormous amount of television. At one point, he either created or co-created 21 television series seven of which were on simultaneously. Damn. He had seven shows running in primetime at Fuck. one time. Here's a Seth small... <laughs> yeah, really. Here's a small list of some of the shows he helped create, develop, oversee. Uh, Gunsmoke, I Love Lucy, The Jack Benny Show, Burns and Allen, Amos and Andy, Armis Brooks, Father Knows Best, Bachelor Father, Leave it to Beaver, Dennis the Menace, The Donna Reed Show, Hazel... Gidget, I Dream of Genie, The Flying Nun, The Monkeys, The Partridge Family. Wow. All his. It's like the father of the sitcom. Pretty much. And this one, one of my favorites. <laughs> Bewitched. Yeah. Another show that frustrated the hell out of me. <laughs> much like I Dream of Genie did. Guy married to a smoking hot witch who can whip up anything. Right. And all he wants to do 
is to keep her from using her magic powers right. to give him whatever he wants. Right. Makes no sense. What kind of fucking moron was Darren Stevens? <laughs> Punch him right in the balls. <laughs> My God. Endlessly frustrating. Yeah, I can, yeah I, can, I can hear it in your voice. 1996, Audrey Meadows passed away. She, of course, was the co-star to the great Jackie Gleason on The Honeymooner. She died at 69. 1998, Carla Faye Tucker was executed at the age of 38. She was the first woman to be executed in Texas since 1863. Wow. Yeah, she uh, killed two people with a pickaxe during Ooh. a burglary. So she, uh, she... She broke into someone's house with a pickaxe? With a bunch of other guys. They were trying to r- rip a guy off, and he started to fight back. And one of her boyfriends hit the guy with a ball-peen hammer in oh, the head. Oh, God. But he started gurgling on his own blood, and she just wanted the sound to stop, so she picked up a pickaxe. Jesus Christ. Dr- drove it through him a couple times. Wow. I but just... she, she found Jesus, and she was in prison. Oh, that's nice. So that's nice. Forgive all, her. So it all I e- forgive her. all evens out. Another horrible murder happened on this day in 2003. Lana Clarkson, the actress who just went home with record producer Phil Spector, <laughs> probably expecting maybe a boost in her career, or maybe she could, you know parlay their yeah. date into something positive ended up uh, he shot her dead at his mansion mm-hmm. of course he just died recently yeah uh more music related deaths in 2004 cornelius bumpus <laughs> that's a good porn name <laughs> cornelius bumpus died on this day <laughs> the bumpuses uh cornelius bumpus was a great american saxophonist Played with Steely Dan, was a member of the Doobie Brothers for a long time. He died at the age of 58. Here's a little bit of his work on a Doobie Brothers song called Real Life. Al Lewis died on this day in 2006 at the age of 82. American actor best known for playing Grandpa on the Monsters. Okay. Herman. <laughs> That's my Al Lewis impression. Herman. Herman. I can do good one-word impressions <laughs> of people. Uh, ben Gazzara, American actor, died on this day in 2012. Interestingly, he was best friends with John Cassavetes, who also died on this oh, day weird. years earlier. And uh, Joe Alasky, great American stand-up comedian, actor, and voice artist, impressionist, Died on this day in 2016. He was the voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck yeah. for many years after uh, Mel Blanc yeah. stopped doing it. So uh, he's a super talented guy and super nice by everybody. I never got a chance to work with him or meet him, but uh, everyone who I know in the voiceover industry just has nothing but kind things mm. to say about Joe. All right, at this point, you know what we like to do? We find a food related to someone who passed away, and we run it past Eddie Pence. Is that something he's willing to eat? Or perhaps stick up his ass and pull out of his ass. <laughs> How do we do that? We pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. If we get a jackpot, that means, yeah, Eddie's scarfing that thing down. Mm. However, if the reels are mismatched, then, <clears throat> yeah, he's, he's not going to do it. <laughs> Today, 1924. Okay. Woodrow Wilson, the 28th president of these United States, died at his home in Washington at the age of 67. Interesting thing about uh, Woodrow Wilson, they keep very specific records, by the way, about presidents and food. Why? I have discovered this while doing research for this segment over the years. It's very weird. There are multiple websites strictly dedicated to U.S. presidents and the foods that either liked, disliked, favorite meals, what they had for breakfast. I mean, you name it. You can break it down. It is very weird. Uh, Wilson stands out only because 
he did not care for food. <laughs> really had no interest in it. My kind of guy. Food wasn't a particular source of pleasure for Woodrow Wilson, historians say. <laughs> in fact, White House physicians found themselves concerned because he couldn't keep weight on. Oh, skinny. He would uh, pick at a, like a chicken salad sometimes for lunch or dinner, right. but he wasn't a hearty eater, and they were actually concerned for his weight. Hmm. So they prescribed for him a very special breakfast that he had every morning at the White House. Okay, He would have uh, grape juice with two raw eggs in it. Gra oh. Glass of grape juice with two raw eggs. Wilson's reaction after swallowing it for the first time is, quote, I feel as if I were swallowing a newborn babe, he said. <laughs> I like this guy. So Woodrow Wilson's <laughs> breakfast. Big tall glass of grape juice with two raw eggs in it. That's today's food. What do you think, kids? Is that something Eddie Pence is going to enjoy? What do you think? What's your? What do you reckon? Just take a wild guess and see if Eddie Pence... Is, is drinking down a glass of grape juice with a couple raw eggs in it. Let's find out, shall we? Let's pull that handle. Here we go. One glass, two glasses. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, why would you do that voluntarily? Didn't you ever see Rocky? Yeah. Remember, he wakes up in the morning, get right, all that good bunch protein, gets that protein no. in him first thing in the no, morning? No, thank you. Oh. No, thank you. Come on. Do you do the raw egg thing? I don't. It's You've not, probably done it. It's so not you. my preference right. of how I take my eggs. No. Who would do that? I would order them sunny side up or perhaps even scrambled before I would order them, you know, in grape at, juice. at the local Denny's. Hey, can I get a grape juice with oh, a couple raw eggs, It probably please? looks like a, a fetus in a glass with the grape juice and the egg. But I'm saying I can understand. If, you, if you're a guy who doesn't like to eat, you feel it's a waste of time, and you just got to get your nutrition and your calories in you, you just, you just got to be a better glass. way than that. Just down that glass. Oh, oh. It—it's not my ideal. No, who's? Mm. I have to agree with you on on this particular one that I probably wouldn't if I had my druthers, as they say. <laughs> my grape juice. Maybe that... maybe he liked grape juice. God damn it! No thanks. Were we too? <laughs> Don't do it. Do a munch in Monday Fuckin with a couple glasses of grape juice and a couple raw eggs. Oh. <laughs> Would you be able to to get that? Down, I don't do know. I can't give you a yes or no on that because I don't. I would. I would obviously try to get it down. I can't guarantee it would stay down. <laughs> I'm just saying I could do it. Fuck. So I'm thinking I'm going to put that on the list. <laughs> just just because it's something that I too wouldn't enjoy. No. So you'd be in company. That's true. It wouldn't be one of those well. things where like, oh, I love. You might want to lay a plastic sheet down. <laughs> I love Baba Ganoush, and I know you're going to hate it. So I end up with the. Uh, <laughs> The, the, the clean end of the right. stick, no, I, as it were. I, I like it when it's something you don't enjoy either. Right. So this is something we can both, it'd be a bonding exercise. Yes. We can both go through that together. Yes. First time for both of us, grape juice and two raw We could eggs. do it. Yeah, I guess. Oh, it's going right. to be weird. Eddie Pence is oh. on board. Oh. You're nothing if not a good sport, Pence. Oh, I don't think I've ever drank a raw egg. Really? I don't think I've ever done it. I did it when I was a kid when I saw Rocky. Yeah. Of course. I don't think I've ever done it. It's a Philly thing. Yeah. It's like, it's I want to be like passage. Rocky. I'm going to drink a raw egg. It's not a particularly enjoyable experience. I can't see it being an enjoyable experience. Yeah, you just got to gulp it down. Mm. You just got to just just do what it takes and then just oh, swallow. Fuck. Come <laughs> It's like other things. <laughs> That's it for today's Hello, Death. <laughs> Yes. You're dead now, so shut up! Hey there, it's Ralph Garman here. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, 
Why not subscribe to The Ralph Report so you can hear it every day, Monday through Friday? For just 15 cents a day, you can be a one-star general supporter, and that will get you the show in your ear holes Monday through Friday. Of course, there are two, three, and four-star general levels as well, which gets you more bonus content and more access to me. So if you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the Ralph Report. Subscribe today so you don't miss a thing. All righty. Now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. Ah, this made me sad. Another guy you just think's going to live forever. Hal Holbrook. Mm. What a terrific actor he was. Yeah, he's great in everything. Passed away at the age of 95. Um, really was great in everything. Great in everything he did. Most famous, I suppose, for his famous one-man show as Mark Twain. Yeah. Which he performed throughout his entire life. But he also won an Emmy for playing Abraham Lincoln in a TV miniseries about Lincoln. Yeah. Um, famously, of course, he was also Deep Throat in All the President's Men with oh, yeah. Robert That's Redford right. and Dustin Hoffman. He did a ton of television. He was on uh, Designing Women. Yep. Which was interesting because he was married to Dixie Carter, the star, the star of that show, hmm. for uh, his entire life. He also directed a handful of episodes. He was on Evening Shade. He was a recurring character. He was great on Evening Shade. With uh, Burt Reynolds. West Wing, Sons of Anarchy. I mean, he worked forever. And uh, 95 years old, pretty good run. They yeah. say it wasn't COVID or anything. He just, um, it was his time. 95, can't complain. So, um, well, you can always complain. Well, I guess you can. You want to live forever, I True. suppose. But, but, I mean, if you can get 95 productive years a out. pretty healthy 95 yeah. when you've done a ton of great work and you will be remembered as one of, yeah. uh, one of our best actors. Hard to complain. It's a pretty good way to go out. I wish Marilyn Manson would go out. Yeah, these good. people keep sticking around. Yeah, I don't get right. it. I don't get it. Uh, Marilyn Manson, we were talking about yesterday, accused by his ex-fiance, Evan Rachel Wood, of uh, domestic violence and abuse throughout their relationship. Well, he's uh, paying all kinds of prices, which is kind of yeah. fun to watch. We mentioned yesterday's record label dropped him. Now, CAA, the super agency, has announced they will no longer be representing Why did Marilyn they rep Manson. him to begin with? I can't imagine. God. How much money could he be pulling in yearly Ugh. for them? Interestingly, also... Uh, Evan Rachel Wood is also a client at CAA. Oh. So they obviously picked a side there in that particular case. He also has a, an episode of uh, Shudder.com. Their anthology series, Creep Show, featuring him, has been scrapped. American Gods, he had a uh, recurring role on that show in the third season. They are re-editing the episodes Ooh. to remove him from them. So he is being canceled, he as the kids say. currently being canceled. And that's all right with me because he is a garbage person. Yes. He's a, he's a human garbage. Hey, I just want everyone to know here in the uh, local Los Angeles area, you can sleep tight tonight. We've got great news. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, Hollyboob people were busted. They've been arrested. Hollyboob? Yeah. Apparently... Six individuals tried to tried to turn the iconic Hollywood sign into Hollyboob on Monday, and they were arrested by police. They were trying to drape uh, bees over the W and the D at the end of Hollywood to show up a Hollyboob. So when people looked up in the hills, that's what they would see. But uh, they were spotted by an LAPD chopper, and then the cops oh, showed up and arrested them. Bad. So they've all been arrested. So we're all safe tonight. There will be no Hollyboob. Did you know? Did you see, remember? Like four or five years ago, they did Hollyweed. Yes, that started in 1976. A uh, Cal State Northridge student changed Hollywood to Hollyweed, 
and people have been altering it, yeah. trying to do that ever since. But if I'm not mistaken, I think they have motion sensors up there it's now. It's pretty well protected. It's hard to get to. And when you get up there, the uh, LAPD is almost immediately notified. Yeah. And they've got a bunch of speakers and stuff apparently up there. Oh, they say, get down. Leave the area. <laughs> you are trespassing. Please leave the area. Oh, and these guys tried to get the tarps up, and then uh, the choppers showed up. And it, I'm sure it was a good use of uh, manpower. I'm sure. To protect Hollywood <laughs> from becoming sure. Boob. <laughs> Which Eddie would have laughed at for have. about a month. I'd still be laughing. It could have killed me. I laughed so hard. TV news. Michael Imperioli, of course, uh, from The Sopranos, played Christopher Moltisante on that show. Mm-hmm. Here's another uh, one-word impression I do. This is uh, Tony Soprano. Okay. okay. What was yeah. his name? Uh, James Gandolfini, the great yes. James Gandolfini. Yes, yes, yes. I do a one-word impression okay. of James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano from the HBO TV series The Sopranos. Christopher. That's it. That's all I do. It was great, though. Thank, thank if I you. close my eyes. Christopher. That's Gandolfini. Christopher. Yeah. Uh, he's got a new show on HBO based on his experiences as a Buddhist. Hmm. Hmm. It will be a fact and fiction blend of Michael Imperioli's experiences as a practicing Buddhist. Is he still currently a Buddhist? He is. Okay. All right, then. But there's fiction involved? Yes. So, Okay. The guy he's doing it with, Alec Berg, is uh, is uh, responsible for Barry, yeah, which is the very funny sitcom with uh, um, the guy from S- SNL Life. alumni guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not John Heater. That's um, that's Napoleon Dynamite. It's Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Good call. And uh, Henry Winkler. Yeah. Very funny show. He's also he was a uh, creator on Silicon Valley as well. So I'm assuming it's show. going to be a comedy. That could be funny about I guess. being a Buddhist. Look, it sounds original. It doesn't sound like anything I've ever seen no, before. I'm all for and that. it's not a, a re- me- remake or a reboot yep. or a reimagining. So it sounds original. I'm in. And lastly, John M. Chu, it has been announced, will be directing the uh, big screen version of the musical Wicked for Universal. He's the director of Crazy Rich Asians and In the Heights, which is another musical, of course, by uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda. He is going to be bringing Wicked to the screen. They've been trying to do this for a long yeah. time, and they're finally getting around to it. Have you ever? Did you ever see Wicked? I did. I saw it the Pantages. Me too. Years ago, two thousand seven ish. Yes, something me like that. too. We're probably there. We're probably there in the same room. Together. I loved it. I loved the first two acts. Oh boy. Third act, I was not a big fan of. That's when she defies gravity, That's, dumbass. <laughs> That's when she learns her lesson and she breaks right. free from the wizard. But it just felt like every they were trying to shoehorn every single loose end into the original Wizard of Oz movie. That, well, you have to you have to talk everything, about the flying monkeys everything, and everything. Everything did not have to tie together. Oh my lord! I love the first it's a prequel before the intermission. I was all in. I loved it, and then the end. I'm like, you don't have to tie everything together. I loved it. Oh, you're. But, like you don't want the end game to tie up all your Avengers loose ends. No, you love you jerked off to that enough because that ma- that was solely made. That wasn't that wasn't a prequel. That was the oh, end game. God. That was the the culmination. This is a prequel. It doesn't have to tie everything up. See, it seemed forced at the end. This is why it you and I forced. are just not going to get married. It just would not work. It just. <laughs> oh, Eddie, you just hurt my brain. I like hurt the, my brain. The first half I loved, loved it. Second half was okay. What an empowering song that is, Defying Gravity. It's time to try Defying Gravity. I think I'll try Defying Gravity. Oh, get chills. <laughs> okay. 
And of course, the great uh, Indina Menzel. No, no, John Travolta. It's Idina Menzel. No, just he'll never Adele get it. Adele Dazim. Yeah. Adele Dazim. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, no, we still have birthdays to do. Oh, that's good. I'm sorry. Uh, now it's time to take a look at all the celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on February 3rd. Guitarist Dave Davies of the Kinks celebrates his birthday today. He's 74. <laughs> Tempted to play that entire song. You could. I love it so much. Blythe Danner, 78 years old today. Morgan Fairchild is 71. Morgan Fairchild. That's right. She's my wife. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> Dick. Nathan Lane is 65. Thomas Calibro from Melrose Place is 62. Singer Melanie is 74. Well, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. Maura Tierney from ER and News Radio is 56. Warwick Davis, Eddie's little friend. <laughs> Wicked. L- little Ewok. Wicked. Yeah, all right. Willow. Willow. Harry Potter films as well. 51 today. Did you ever see, um, hmm. oh boy, what? Life is Short? The, no. The show that Ricky Gervais created for him. No, I never watched that. Oh. Is it good? Yeah, it's great. I never watched that. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Elisa Donovan from Clueless is 50. Isla Fisher's 45. And drummer Lul Tol... Mm, I knew I was going to do that. Lul Tolhurst isn't easy. Drummer for The Cure is 62. song i could just play the entirety yeah. of never get tired of that that's it for today's celebrity birthdays i'm ralph garman i walk the showbiz beat and because it's wednesday it's time for one hit wonder it's the one hit wonder one hit wonder one hit wonders it's a very common tale one of the most famous one hit wonders of all time eddie pence what we gotta go back to 1958 Ooh. The place, Challenge Records, which just happens to be uh, Gene Autry's record label. Okay. And he signed a gentleman named Dave Burgess, 
whose showbiz name was Dave Dupree. And Dave Dupree recorded song after song after song and just could not get a hit. Hmm. So they're in the studio one night recording Train to Nowhere, which also did not become a hit. Right. But they're going to release it as a single. Okay. And they need what is known in the business as a B-side. Yes. Now, kids, you don't remember this, but there used to be a time when music came to you on a little piece of plastic <laughs> called a 45. And that's how you got one song. If you wanted to buy one song instead of buying the record, right. you bought the single. The A-side would be what they thought would be the hit. And the B-side, the flip side, would be the filler. Right. And so they needed a B-side. And so uh, Dave Dupree's backing band, named the Flores Trio, had a little number they were working on, a catchy little instrumental song with sort of a mambo beat to it, and they just threw it together and recorded it and put it on the B-side, expecting it to go nowhere. Well, that side was the one that became the hit. Jeff asked for it. Hi, Ralph. It's Jeff. I have a one-hit wonder request. And if you do play the one-hit wonder, I think it might be your first instrumental one-hit wonder. Well, sort of. It does have one word in it. Tequila. How about that one? Thanks. Ah, tequila! <laughs> Come on, one of the biggest one-hit wonders ever. And Jeff, I'll have you know, we have played other instrumental one-hit wonders. What we did that? Wipeout by the oh, Safaris. Yeah, yeah. That's right. We did Popcorn. By hot butter okay. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's well, but you're right. There aren't there aren't many of them. This song surprised everyone, including the people who made it, by becoming a smash hit. It hit number one on the Billboard chart in March of 1958, two months after it was recorded. Wow, that's how quick it caught fire. Wow, especially so, back then, so fast that the Flores Trio, the backing band for Dave Dupree, who got tossed into the dustbin of history. Yeah. They didn't even have a band. So they had to create the band <laughs> after the hit. <laughs> they became the champs. They named themselves the champs, wow. and it's still known as Tequila by the Champs today. A smash hit. Here it is. Today's one-hit wonder. Tequila! Tequila, a smash hit. It also won the Grammy Award for Best Song in 1959. It did? The first rock record ever to win a Grammy. That, wow. Yeah. Did not know that. So the champs figure they got it made. Yeah, all right. They've, they've, they've arrived on the scene. Of course. And so they immediately followed up with another single, Eddie Pence. Yeah. They went the Bobby Boris Pickett oh, route. no, they didn't. And they came up with another instrumental song called... Too much tequila. Oh, See, because if you're drinking tequila, sometimes... Just go to a different liquor at this point. Go vodka. 
<laughs> Something else. Sometimes you have too much tequila, Eddie Pence. Oh, my God. And that was the idea behind this song. Did not catch on uh, nearly as well as tequila. Yeah, that one didn't uh, <laughs> didn't capture the didn't capture the imagination of America the way the first one did. Uh, this song, Tequila, has been one of the most covered songs in history, as you can imagine. Yeah, imagine for yeah. over sixty years, it's been around. Almost everybody has done a version of it, including. <laughs> and we were talking about uh, Hot Butter earlier. They had the, the song Popcorn. I was talking about. Remember? Mm-hmm. Here's a little taste of that. <laughs> Well, they did a uh, really awful cover of Tequila using their electronic Moog oh, synthesizers. God. That song's all about saxophone, yes. and, you know, like, like a garage band feel. Oh. Well, they cleaned it up and synthesized it and turned no. it into this nightmare. <laughs> Dude, it's that awful. hurt my ears. It like awful. fucking hurts you deep in your head. That hurts. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, uh, the reason I think we all know tequila is not only is it uh, you know, a legendary song, but it's been used in pretty much every media since mm-hmm. movies, television shows. It's in Sandlot. It's been uh, used in the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah. and then of course. Break dance! <laughs> 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 Break dance! <laughs> of course, Pee-wee's big adventure. That's how he gets away from the biker yeah. gang. A uh, little trivia, the uh, the girl who threatens him in that bar is Cassandra Peterson, also Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, yeah. Friends with uh, Paul Rubens because they were at Groundlings together. That's awesome. So there you go, Jeff. Excellent call for one of the great one-hit wonders of all time. Tequila is today's one-hit wonder. It's the one-hit wonder. One-hit wonder. One-hit wonders. It's a very common tale. And before we say goodbye, here is my chat with filmmaker Kevin Derrick. Kevin, as I mentioned, is the director of a new documentary, which is available on... Uh, available? Available. Um, available. It's available <laughs> on Friday. It's called More Than Miyagi, the Pat Morita story. And if you're a fan of Pat Morita's, you will find this fascinating. I certainly didn't know any of it. Uh, child, uh, Such a traumatic childhood. Really? It was immobilized in a hospital for seven years of his young life. Ew. Then when he got out of the hospital, he was uh, taken to rejoin his parents in an internment camp for Japanese Americans. Oh, my God. That's where he grew up. Forgot about that dark time. Then his uh, stand-up career, which he started late, he had to tap into the the hilarious racism of the time. He was known as the Hip Nip. That's how they they build him Mm. at clubs. Man. Kept going, started to be an actor, landed Happy Days, then, of course, uh, the Karate Kid, and the, and the rest is history. But a tragic end as well. Uh, alcoholism claimed his life, and he chose alcoholism over his family and just left to go drink himself to death, basically, at the Brutal. end of his life. 
but there's a lot of fascinating stories. They talked to everybody in this documentary. They talked to Henry Winkler and uh, the cast of Happy Days and Ralph Macchio and uh, William Zabka. So if you're a, a Karate Kid fan or a Happy Days fan or you just like stories about showbiz, this is for you. Here is my conversation with Kevin Derrick. Director Kevin Derrick is with me, director of the great new documentary, More Than Miyagi, The Pat Morita Story, which is available everywhere this Friday. You can get it on iTunes or DVD or Blu-ray. Kevin, thanks for spending some time with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit about your background before we get into the film. Now, you're a, a karate guy, right? I mean, you've right. been a, a karate practitioner and fan for a long time. Right. I think uh, I was like around nine years old when my father, he took my brother and I to the local YMCA and we did, uh, you know, the introductory uh, karate lessons. And I took a liking to it immediately. But my brother said, like, what the hell is this? So anyways, it's just uh, I, I, it's been a big part of my life. I mean, I've studied all sorts of martial arts, Taekwondo, Shotokan, Shitoryu, a little bit of everything. But I injured myself uh, about 10 years ago doing like a stupid flying kick and I was showing off in front of someone and I fell and hurt my back. But since then, I haven't been practicing. But yeah, it's, it's always been a big part of my life. Which leads us to naturally your interest like the rest of us, even those of us who didn't do karate with the uh, Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi. And you met Pat Morita when you were younger, before you even got involved. Right, in this, right? right, right. That's true. My, one of my teachers, his name is Fumia Demer. He's the one who did all the stunts for Pat Morita and all the Karate Kid films. So he used to have annual tournaments. And then every tournament we would... Uh, you know, see a celebrity there, Chuck Norris, Bob Wall. In this one particular year, it was Pat Morita. He was sitting right next to my teacher, and there was an empty seat right next to Pat. So I just went and sat next to him, and I just started talking to him. He was such a nice guy. Back then, I was 15 years old. I mean, obviously, he didn't know who the heck I was. But, you know, he was paying attention to what I had to say, and I just, you know, said a few things, and I asked him, hey, can we get a picture and we took a picture and basically that was it. And I mean, who knew 30 years later, I would be making a documentary on his life. You know, that's kind of strange. What inspired you to do the documentary, Kevin? We were the doc. We did a documentary prior to this one. It was called The Real Miyagi. It was um, I, I've been stuck in the karate world all my life. So um, it, this documentary was about my instructor, Fumi Demer, the one that who did all the stunts for Pat. So we went to uh, Vegas and we were interviewing Pat Morita's wife. That's where she lives. And then after the interview, she was telling me all these fascinating stories about, you know, how Pat suffered tuberculosis and he saw his father die in front of his eyes and a whole bunch of interesting stories that kind of stuck with me. And then a year later, when the documentary came out on Netflix, she called us to, you know, to congratulate us. And then that's when I hit her up. I said, what do you think about, about doing a documentary on Pat? And but originally she wanted to do a narrative feature, like a biopic. Mm. Um, I told her, you know, this is a good way to get the word out. So people get to learn about who Pat is and then. Once it gets, you know, a big following and an interest, it's easier for us to raise money and do the feature. So basically, that's how that got started. And then at the same time, Pat was writing, I think in 1996, he started writing a manuscript about his life. But, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't finish it. I think he got like 75% of it done. So 
he told Evelyn, if anything were to happen to me, finish this thing and get it out there somehow, whether it's a book, documentary feature, whatever it is. So in a way, by us doing this uh, documentary, we kind of fulfilled Pat's wishes, I guess. And I have to say, for those of us who grew up watching Pat, whether it was as Arnold on Happy Days, and then, of course, his explosion in the movies with the Karate Kid franchise, it is a fascinating look at a man that I don't think many of us had any idea about his childhood tragedies. And then, of course, his sad decline into alcoholism as well. I had no idea. Right, he basically right. sort of drank himself to death at the end of his life. Right, right. That's true. Well, you know, he was drinking since he was 12 years old. His uncle used to make uh, bootleg sake at the internment camps and there was nothing to do back then. So he, you know, everyone got wasted. But it, the alcoholism kind of got to him when he was a little bit older, like, you know, 65 to 70, because you know, when you're an age, aging Asian actor and there's not that many roles for you. So, you know, he just went down and, you know, he just started drinking more and that's what led to his demise. But um, sorry, I forgot what your question was. He had a... No, I was just saying that it's a fascinating look at a man that you feel like you know because he's been right, in the right. public eye for so long. But the, all these personal tragedies you mentioned... He spent seven years of his life basically immobilized in a hospital when he was a child. Right, right. And sure. from there had to be moved to a Japanese internment camp during the Second World War. Right, so right. much pain behind right. this guy who was known for being so funny and so friendly, as you mentioned. Right. And right. the one thing I noticed when you interview cast members from Happy Days or from The Karate Kid, people who knew him and worked with him, there seems to be an overreaching theme of kindness and what a what a good kind man he was everyone seemed to have nothing but positive things to say about him right right whoever i talked to the first thing that came out of their mouth is you know he tried to get you left the uh you know even when he signs autograph he puts a little funny message the only thing that people said that was kind of negative but it's understandable is when he was eating he said when People approached him when he was eating, he would get a little upset. But other than that, everything was, uh, you know, nice, kind words. I mean, can you imagine being, as you said, immobilized from like ages two to 11, from waist, from your neck to your knees? Back then, they didn't really have a treatment for tuberculosis. So they would put you in this body cast and let you sit out in the sun and bake and hope that, you know, by getting vitamin D, your body would heal. Mm. So can you imagine spending all that time just out in the sun? I mean, he started drinking. I would have probably done something worse to myself, I'm, <laughs> you know? And then to go through the horrors of the internment camps as a Japanese-American. And it's funny because you mentioned throughout the documentary, he didn't really even speak Japanese. He wasn't that connected with that culture. He was he was an American kid. That, that's true because, you know, the nurses raised him at the hospital. And his parents lived so far away and they didn't have any money to come and visit him. So, uh, you know, the only language that was spoken there at the hospital was English. And the only time he got, got to spend with his family was during the internment camps. And his parents didn't really speak that much English and they spoke Japanese. So they really couldn't communicate with each other. As a little kid, it's, it's heartbreaking to think how alone he must have felt through the, the majority of his childhood. Right, right. That's true. But he did have an older brother, um, that spoke English and he had uh, cousins and stuff. So, 
But yeah, I, I can't really even imagine what he went through. It, it's all in his manuscript. Hopefully, once we get uh, that manuscript out, people can actually read exactly, you know, what he went through. It's it's in detail, all the stuff that he went through. We just even, couldn't fit it in the documentary. We only had 90 minutes, so we were limited. Sure, sure. But I, I noticed that even at the end of his life, when the drinking would interfere with his work and he was disappointing colleagues and co-workers, even then, those people didn't seem to hold a grudge against him or hold him accountable. There was still an enormous amount of love for him. Right, I think that respect, you know, when someone passes away, no one really wants to say anything bad. I mean, he really didn't do anything bad. I mean, everyone has a family member that, you know, that has some sort of an addiction. I have uncles who drink, so it's understandable. I mean, as Evelyn says in the documentary, it's a disease like cancer. I mean, you don't hate someone because they have cancer, you know? So, I mean, it makes sense. There's a lot about his marriages because, of course, Evelyn, his last wife, is a executive producer on this, and she's sort of our tour guide through his life. Um, The first two marriages were failures. However, he always considered himself a good dad. He said himself that he was not a great husband, but he always felt like he was a good father. Right, right. That's true. That and yet, yet we didn't get a chance to hear from the uh, the daughters. <laughs> you say in the documentary that they declined to participate, and I was just wondering if there was a, a reason behind that. No, uh, you know, we approached them, and I told them we're doing a documentary on your dad and all that stuff, and it's just, I think they just have some reservations about saying certain things, and she just said it's better if we just you know, don't participate. And I honestly, whenever I do a project, if I approach someone and they're excited about it, great. But if I have to convince them, it always comes back and it turns into something negative. Hmm. So I've learned if they don't want to be a part of it, I mean, this is your dad. I don't think anybody else is going to make a documentary about him. I mean, this is going to be your only chance, whatever you want to say about him, whether it's good or bad. And they decided not to do it, which is fine. I think once they see it, they're going to realize that they should have. But, you know, it's too late. I think an an excellent sort of byproduct of your film, which, again, I really enjoyed, was the the racial aspect of what Asian-American performers have had to put up with over the years. I mean, in order to be a successful stand-up, which was Pat's beginnings in show business and i didn't know he started at 30 that's kind of late it's kind of crazy the success right, that he had. right. because but, he had a good job he had a really good job up until 30 his marriage was going good and then all of a sudden he said he was you know his belly was getting bigger and he lost his hair and he's just he said it was just a calling he says i just needed to do it now if i don't do it now i'm never going to do it so but yeah it is late at 30. And but in order very, to in order to get any kind of success, he had to kind of lean into the racial stereotypes, and that was right. his hook. And right. when you hear uh, him and, and other Asian American performers talk about that in the documentary, they were really uh, pigeonholed and typecast throughout his entire career. Right, right. Uh, that's why he started doing self-deprecating humor. I mean, uh, he was basically the the first. Japanese American that started doing stand-up comedy and back then after the World War II, it's I don't you know I any 
culture that you're in, you always seem to get pigeonholed into something. Mm. I mean, look what's happening with the Middle Eastern people. I mean, you look at someone that has the hijab on, you immediately is a terrorist. You see him with a beard, terrorist. Right. It's just it, it it's just a cycle that every, every culture goes through something, you know? It's just you just have to hang in there till it's over. But yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, it's it's not good being pigeonholed and stereotyped all your life. I mean, you look at the Karate Kid films. You, even though people say that's a positive role for an Asian, yeah, yeah, it was. But at the same time, they're stereotyping an Asian, right. that karate master. I mean, and even back then, uh, even after the Karate Kid film with with all the success, if you look at his IMDb page after that, everything all you see is. Master this, master that. I saw a title that said The Karate Dog. I might watch it. It was kind of funny. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, how much of that can you do? But at the same time, it's good to be known for something. And, you sure. Know, yeah. So I mean, you I, take I it think, a positive and a negative. You know, I think it's Henry Winkler says in the documentary, you know, the positive about being typecast is at least you're being cast. You're working. Right, right. Exactly. He's gone through it. He's gone through it. But he just, he just told me you just have to fight and fight and fight. So... Finally, he's he's I mean, if you look at the people that were in the uh, the girls from the Karate Kid, uh, the first Karate Kid, God, I forget her name, the first one and the third one and Hillary Swank, they all separate them, themselves from the Karate Kid franchise for a long time. Mm. I mean, even Hillary Swank doesn't even make that was her first film. And, and she doesn't mention anything about that. But, you know, they have already established their career. So if they want to do so now, it's fine. But I can imagine when you're 20 and you're pigeonholed as just doing one kind of role, then it uh, it's not good. But it made me cringe when I saw him being billed as the hip nip early on in his right, career. Right. You know, these days in this current climate, there's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's, there's no way we would ever accept that. But exactly. in the 60s, you exactly. could get away with it. We were actually going to name the documentary The Hip Nip. But doing some research and all that <laughs> stuff, people said that's not a good idea. So. That would have been a hard sell. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. Well, the timing couldn't be more perfect because as everyone now is in love with Cobra Kai and we're all watching it and loving that show, his presence and his impact on that story he's practically a a, a silent co-star in that film he's That's everywhere true. in, in that series and uh, this is great timing for those of us who love that show to go back and revisit the man who really put the heart into that film and made it i think uh, one of the reasons it was certainly so successful very true very true if it wasn't because of pad as you said karate kid wouldn't have been as successful and without the Karate Kid, there wouldn't have been uh, Cobra Kai. But uh, Ralph does say, you know, he tries to infuse Pat's uh, legacy throughout the series, and that's important to him. So I'm glad that he's done that. Well, the documentary is excellent. It's a great watch for anybody who uh, loves Pat and just loves show business. I mean, it's a fascinating look at it's a time capsule of what culture was like in the 60s especially when pat was coming up all the way through the 70s with happy days and then into the 80s right. as well excellent work sir and i really appreciate you taking some time to talk to me about thank it. thank you so much i appreciate you thanks again to kevin for uh, taking some time out to talk to me again friday 
More Than Miyagi, the Pat Morita story is available uh, wherever you usually watch oh, junk. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's good. All right, folks, come and join us tomorrow, won't you? It's a Thursday. That means we're going to get sexy at Ralph Sex University. More entertainment news, more of your phone calls, more hilarity, more gahuffs. Holy gahuff, holy gahuff. We're going to have a good time, but you can't join us unless you take care of yourself. So please, if you can, stay the fuck at home. Make sure you sanitize. Stay good in the hood. Unlike that guy who's asking Eddie what time it is, asshole, at Michael's Crafts. Fuck that dude. You got to keep some distance, all right? Stay sweet at six feet. Because life is life. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and we want you to keep yours and those around you safe. We'll see you tomorrow. Until tomorrow, love you. Mean it. Bye. <laughs>